So uh, I did not grow up in church, and so uh, this is, uh, so Palm Sunday is when uh, Jesus, he's done all these amazing things, and he's healed all kinds of people, he's fed 5,000, and just done all this miraculous stuff, and as he's doing this, he's teaching, in fact, one of the messages that he uh, speaks is what I'm speaking on this morning, is Sermon on the Mount, it's his longest recorded message, and so he's teaching, and all these crowds are just gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering, and they're looking to Jesus. I mean, he's doing all kinds of incredible things, right? He's feeding people, and, and, and so all these crowds were growing, and as they're growing, they're looking to him and going, wow, he's got something for me. And they continue to look to him, and, and, and they built up this idea of what he's going to do and what he is is going to do for, for others. And in the midst of this, they get ready to, to go into Jerusalem. And I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. Now, when the crowd drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. I, I just want to stop. I mean, it's hard for a preacher not to talk about Scripture. But, I mean, isn't that interesting? He sends them off, and the disciples go off, and he says, immediately you're going to find it. He tells them exactly where to find the donkey, right? I said, okay, I'm going to go up, and I'm going to grab this donkey and colt and see what happens. Could you imagine being them? Okay. So saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. Verse the foal. I'm sorry, I said fowl. <laughs> uh, verse 6. Uh, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. Can you believe, I just think this, I think scripture's funny and interesting. So he sends them off, he goes, go get this, go get this donkey and her colt, and then bring it to me. And if they ask you anything, oh, just say it's for the Lord. Is that iffy to you, or is that just me? But they did it, they obeyed all the way. Verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred up, saying, Who is this? 
And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So when we look at, at Jesus and him entering the city, people had all these attachments to what they thought Jesus was, who they thought Jesus is. Oh, he's a prophet, he's a good teacher, he's a good leader. But you look at the scripture and you see the disciples like he's more than this and they're obeying and they're leading in this and everybody is looking at him. And later on, we see in the scriptures, it says that they were shouting, continue shouting praises and love and adoration to Jesus. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, oh, that's only for God. That's not for Jesus. Jesus is saying, no, if they don't do this, the rocks will cry out. And he's declaring who he is to all these people. Savior God, Jesus. And so when we look at this, we see all these different ideas and expectations that, that people put on Jesus, and he flips it. He not only flips it, but he demonstrates that he's greater than what people ever expected or imagined. And so, so when Jesus uh, comes in, he's coming in, and they're thinking religious leader, political leader. That's what they're thinking, and he's coming in as king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming in as God. He's coming in as a lamb to the slaughter. So he enters and he, and he takes what all humanity deserves. And he takes the cross, the sin and shame, the punishment, the humiliation, the beating. And he hung on a cross for what you and I deserved. So they had in mind that he was just gonna be a religious leader, change their circumstance. That he's just gonna be a good man. That he's just gonna be a, a political leader because politics change everything. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was sarcasm. <laughs> but he was anything but. He came to change the course of humanity and history. And you see, leading up to this, Jesus did this often, where he'd take this norm or this idea or mentality or this thought, like this is how we think, and he'd flip it out, upside down and he would challenge it. He'd say, this isn't about what you look, this isn't about conformity, but it's about transformation. And so this morning, as we look to Jesus and what he's done, and as we look throughout this week and see how gracious God is to all of humanity, let's look at what he says and how to operate and how to live this life. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 43. <laughs> so again, this is Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' longest recorded sermon, and he continually flips things upside down. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Woo! 
You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. What's interesting about this is, uh, Sean, can I borrow you because you're not wearing glasses today? Uh, What's interesting about this, I mean, you read this statement, you have heard it said, and Jesus does this all the time. He's like, this totally makes sense, right? This is something we all agree upon. You've heard it say, love your neighbor, right? We've all heard it, haven't we? The golden rule, do unto others if you had them do it to you, right? This idea, this love your neighbor. And then there's, there's a little kicker on the end of this. It says, You've all heard it said to love your neighbor. Okay, so Sean is from Yakima, so he'll be my neighbor, right? And so I'm from Yakima, too, if you didn't know. Yakima's an awesome place. It's where Sean's come from. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I wasn't in my notes, but that just amazing. Okay, you've heard it said to love your neighbor. Makes sense, right? I love my neighbor, right? And love, you know, oh, he's my brother. We're gonna, I, I just punched him once because he can kick my butt. Uh, so I'm going to love my neighbor. Yeah, he's my brother. He's my neighbor. And then it says the second part, this. So, so all of every Jew has heard this scripture. It's in Leviticus 18, verse 19, I believe. And chapter 18, verse 19. And it says to love your neighbor, right? Or your fellow countrymen or whatever, right? So, so I got Sean, and he's my neighbor, right? And then, Ryan, can I borrow you, please? Yes. And then what's the kicker? You can stand right here. Uh, And then the kicker is that I'm also to hate my enemies. Wait a minute. When we look through the Old Testament, this idea, this mentality is not necessarily there. This phrase to... Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Is, you don't see that anywhere. So it's interesting that Jesus is saying that, right? Isn't it? Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. You've all heard this saying. And so when we look at this phrase, it's this idea. It's this attitude of the culture at the time. That, that I'm to love those that are close to me, right? That have a common background, right? But... Those other guys, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Just say, he's my enemy. He's opposed to me. He's opposed to what I do. He's opposed to who I am. He's opposed to my thinking. We don't agree on the same lines, right? Like he likes uh, John Mayer. John Mayer, and I do not. That guy is different, right? Okay, and I'm not much of a music guy. I'm more like, I guess I'd be more like a Johnny Cash guy. Uh, Uh, but it's the difference, right? And so when we see this picture, we, we had all these different people, all these religious leaders, all these political leaders, they're hanging out here, and they're making reasons why they would hate other people. Right? Because they, they're different. He's a different nationality. I mean, he's from New Mexico. I'm from Yakima. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't have like a, a proper accent when he says Spanish words, and I do, because I'm from Yakima. Simon. Simon, So, I mean, we got it over here, right? All these differences. And isn't it interesting? So Jesus is looking at all these people, and they're going, oh, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, okay, yeah, I get this. This makes sense to me. And then he changes it. 
He says, he says, but I say to you, whenever we see Jesus saying this, he goes and ruins the whole idea. He steps in my comfort zone, but I say to you, but I say to you, oh, you're going you're gonna to flip it upside down. There you go, Jesus. You're doing something I didn't expect. But I say to you, love your But I say to you, love your enemies. Do you hear what he's saying? He's changing it completely. Says, you've all heard it said, love your neighbors. <laughs> I can do that. I like Sean, right? We're from Yakima. But Ryan really isn't my enemy, just, just a heads up. Uh, huh? He what? Oh. I do like country music. That's a shame. Uh, so the Bible says that I'm to love my enemies and hate, hate, hate. Oh, wait, no. Love my neighbor and hate my enemy. But he changes it. He says to love your Love your neighbors. <laughs> Got this one. Uh, but I'm to also. No, I can't come to you when you do that. That's creepy. But I'm. Okay. No, seriously, dude. This is super. No, don't hold my hand. Bless you. No, I wasn't holding hands. <laughs> love your neighbor and love your... Who's left? Acquaintances? <laughs> love your neighbor and love your enemy. Now, okay, so maybe I could go, yeah! <laughs> love you, buddy. But it's not that kind of love. Right? So we, we have love. Love is our word for everything, right? Like, oh, I love that pizza. Or uh, I'm a food-oriented person. Oh, I love that ice cream. <laughs> uh, I love my son. I love my wife. I love my kids. Uh, uh, I love all kinds of things. I love Sean. He's my brother. Brotherly love, right? We look at the word love, and it's got all kinds of different meanings, and it's just one word. You know, just love. Love. It means everything. It can mean infatuation for us. It can mean, like, I like something. It can mean, it can mean like, brotherly love. It can mean, like, Woohoo! Kind of love. All kinds of love. But it's all the same word. Love. Everybody say love. 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 Now what's so interesting about the love that Jesus chose, the word that he chose, 
it's interesting that he, he's all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. So you know when he chooses words, he's good at it, and he knows exactly what he wants to connotate. So his love is not, you know, we're bros. <laughs> it's not phileo, brotherly love. This love that he's saying, this love that he's saying, Agapao is the word here. Agape. Agape? Agape? What is that? I don't know. It's all Greek to me. And it's true. It's Greek. <laughs> that was totally a dad joke. It was a good one. Okay. <laughs> so this Greek word agape is deeper. This word is unconditional love. It's God's love. It's supernatural love. So it's beyond what I can do. Agape. So this love is the same kind of love when Jesus entered Jerusalem, knowing that he would hang on a cross is what he had in mind when he thought about you and I. This love is supernatural. It's God's love. It's unconditional. And it's pursuant. So what that means is that, Sean, you can go over there. Go with Sean. Is what that means is that this love isn't just like, hey, love you guys. This love, pursuant love, pursues. It initiates. It, it, it initiates. And so, so I'm to love my enemies. So then I'm to pursue loving them. Wow. Do, do, you, do you get the implications of this? Do you get the weight of this? That's my enemies. And it's not just like our Facebook enemies, you know those ones that, that have all this courage and say things about our things that are negative, right? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The courageous commentators. That say all these things. Oh, and it's not just, it's not just like, Derek, can I borrow you for a second? Come on, hurry, 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 hurry. Ugh! It's not just, it's not just like, oh, well, he disagreed with me, so I don't like him, right? This enemy is greater than that, right? Isn't it interesting that we find ourselves having so many different enemies just because we disagree or we don't see eye to eye on? Right? Like, he likes Texas and country music. Totally disagree with him 100% on both those things. I've been to Texas, and I've heard country music. No thank you. <laughs> right? No thank you. Can I get an amen, Christine? Okay, so his wife agrees. <laughs> That's not my enemy. <laughs> so we defined it so loosely, and it seems to be so common. 
well, he disagrees with me on this. That doesn't make him my enemy. That just means that we disagree. And you know what? Here's, here's the good news, is that it's okay to not be on the same page and disagree on things. Yay, because we're different people. That doesn't make him our enemy. But we have this habit because he likes country music and he likes Texas. Then we totally, he's my enemy. We do this with all kinds of stuff. This is what the problem was. Jesus says, you've heard it say, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. And they're like, yes, good. Finally, somebody said what I was thinking. I can hate people. Yes, based off of their differences than me. But that's not the case. That's never the case. We're to, what? Love our enemies. So that means that, you can come over here. Oh, you guys are, sorry. Super awkward. But I'm to love them. So that means it's God's love. That means that, are you guys feeling awkward? Is it because you're so close? It's because you're breathing on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been this close to Derek in my life. Wow, this is nice. I'm really intimidated. I, why do I want to blow on your neck? Uh, okay, so focus. Guys, you're getting me distracted. Uh, but to love means that, that I pursue them, right? And I love them as God loves them. I love the. <laughs> you can still love each other and have a gap. Uh, but I, I love them as God loves them. So, so that means that I love them the way that they need to be loved. But that also carries this assumption that if I'm going to love somebody as God loves them, if I'm going to love like God, love my neighbor, love my enemy, that carries the assumption that God is going to love through me. Because no matter how great I think I am, the only way that love is expressed is through God. That only, the only way that that love is expressed is not only through God, but it's it, it's tied to action wow that is enormous so how do i do that what does that look like the bible says that if i live by the spirit that i'll love like this because the Holy Spirit, he's God, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God, God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's the one that empowers me to live this life for God, right? Because I can't, I mean, 
I, country music, I don't know if I could ever like country music. Well, God could help me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay, so, so in this, if I live according to the Spirit, it says that I won't pursue the desires of my flesh. And so if I'm led by God, the Holy Spirit, to love, and I let him lead in that way, do you know what happens when the Holy Spirit leads me, that I walk by his Spirit? Do you know what happens? There's this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all birthed out of being directed and led by the Holy Spirit. So when I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I love like God. And the way that I'm led by the Holy Spirit means that the way that I can do that means that I'm trusting that God is going to lead me, right? And not only is he going to lead me, but he's going to empower me to do that. And he, here's, here's the bigger kicker that I am trusting that he can handle it. Because isn't that the bigger kicker? Boys, you can sit down. Thank you, guys. Men, men, I mean. <clears throat> isn't that the bigger kicker, right? When someone harms us or hurts us or does injustice for us, uh, we don't want to love them, do we? If you do, you're different than me. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Because they're mean. And they've said awful things. And they've hurt me in different ways. So what's the rest of that verse? I'm to love my enemies. Right? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Whoa! <laughs> okay, love your enemies and pray for them to, to persecute you. Oh, Lord, get them good! That's a good prayer. Lord, destroy them! No, that's not the kind of prayer. I like that one better. Oh, Lord, I pray that all four of their tires go out when they're driving to work this next day. Or, Lord, I pray that their milk is spoiled so when they drink it, they feel that lump going down. <laughs> he did. He did. But it says here to pray for those who persecute you. In this prayer, this prayer is for blessing and favor. Uh, <laughs> this prayer is for blessing and favor. Pray for my enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Blessing and favor. I don't feel like it. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Pray for blessing and favor? 
So if I don't want to do that, but when we see that, is it, is it let's see, is it, it's got to be conditional, right? Let's see. Uh, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not like uh, if they're nice to you. That's not like, well, if you want something from them. That's not like, well, you know, uh, they might, I mean, they're kind of wealthy, and I want this, and I, want, I can get more out of this, so I'm going to pray for blessings on them. No. It's not a conditional statement. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's a command. I'm to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. So, so, uh, Derek again. So if I have, I love pictures. This is, you're getting a good workout. I'm getting your steps in. So if, if I have a relationship, he's going to play Jesus. I know it's hard. So if I have a relationship with Jesus, right? <laughs> this is going to be good towards the end. Because I, I have the next scripture. Okay, this is good. This is so good. So if I have a relationship with Jesus, that means I belong to him. That means that I call myself a Christian, right? So back in my day, I thought all Americans were Christians, so therefore I was a Christian, right? Even though I was totally against anything that had to do with Jesus. Okay, so I have this relationship with Jesus. I'm walking in relationship with him. So that means that I'm to love my enemies, and I'm to pray for those who persecute me, who harm me, right? Now look at the next verse. <laughs> oh, this is so funny in my head. Uh, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven, Okay, I think that's funny. So, like, Derek was my dad, right? So we do have some resemblances. <laughs> We're both super tall. You got a good choice in shirts. I really like that shirt, actually. Good choice in jeans, right? Both wearing boots. Isn't it interesting how, how you find your kids have some of the similar characteristics as you, right? So, they, I mean, they're like, you, you look just like your daddy. And if it's a boy, they're like, yes! And if it's a girl, they're like, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's just different characteristics. And how, how, you know, oh, that's just like so-and-so, like my wife. Uh, when my kids are running around the house and being loud and crazy and noisy, they're like, man, they're so your kids. They're like, yeah, they are, let's play! <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's interesting that, in that way. But, but look at the scripture deeper. Is that when we love our enemies and we love our neighbors and we pray for our enemies and our neighbors, we look more like our Father in that moment than any other time. 
Isn't that incredible? Let me say that again. When we love our enemies and we love our neighbors and we pray for our enemies and our neighbors and those who persecute us, we are more like our Father than any other time. And you know what's so amazing about Jesus? He didn't just say it. He demonstrated it. He hung on a cross. He was declared innocent by the court of law. And he still paid the death penalty that was reserved for murderers and rapists. And he hung on this cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wait a minute. What is he doing in that statement? He's praying for his enemies. You think they were friends nailing them to the cross? You think they were saying, I love you, nailing them to the cross? You think that as he hung naked, they're like, oh, that's my Jesus. He demonstrated it. And so we do the same when we demonstrate it. When we love and pray for those who persecute us and for our enemies. Wow. That's huge. That's a hard pill to swallow. Because what do we want to do naturally? We want to get them. We want to get back at them. We want to talk trash about them. We need to let them know what we think. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> but this is, this is different. This is way different. And to be honest, it's way more difficult. Isn't it? Okay, Derek, thank you. So what if I don't feel like it? What if I don't feel like praying? Let me ask you this. We, we led the, we talked, opened up with Jesus into Jerusalem and him having the disciples go. And what did they do? They went. They obeyed. And see, in this case, this is not a, hey, I think you should do this. This is like, maybe you should consider. This is a, you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is not a conditional statement. This is an imperative. It's a command. So what do I do when I don't feel like it? Because nobody feels like it. Am I right? Oh, I do it anyway, right? So action before attitude. Action before attitude. <laughs> so, so if we wait until we feel warm and fuzzy about this big jerk, <laughs> uh, 
if we wait for them to come around before we pray for them, what happens? It doesn't happen. You just get more angry and bitter about it, don't you? Oh, man, don't they know what they did or what they said? They're, oh, they're so oblivious. They're just, ah. <laughs> So we are asked to act before we feel. And here's the deal. When we pray, when we pray for those that persecute us, it doesn't say that they're guaranteed to change their heart or their attitude or their mind. Here's what's incredible about prayer is it changes me. And that's the point. When my heart aligns with God, all of a sudden, these ancillary things that may feel big change. And the truth is, is that when we pray for those that persecute us or harm us, it changes us. And it helps us to love. Because you can't have love without prayer. Now, there's this quote that I read while prepping. It says this, In the shadows of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a way to reward the enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Wow. Let me read that again. In the shadow of my hurt and unforgiveness feels like a way to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? Verse 48. You get that idea of what he's saying. He's like, man, it's easy. It's easy to love people that like me. It's easy to love Sean. We have so much in common. We, 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 we can talk about Yakima and hang it out forever. We both have kids. We both have a wife. We can hang out. We can do stuff together. We can totally get along. Wow, we, it's easy. That, that's what he's saying. He's saying it's so easy. It's understandable that you love those that are closest to you. It's understandable that you love those that have most everything in common with you. But when we look at love, it's, it is. The love of God does not discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. You, therefore, verse 48, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect. 
Well, what does that say? Okay, so what does that mean? What does that look like? Let me, the word perfect is teleos. It's the same word that we get the word telescope, which means to bring closer. So how do I do this? The truth is, look around the room. Go ahead, come on, look around the room. I'm not, you know I'm not going to move on until you all look around the room. Cindy, that's you too. <laughs> There's nobody in this room that's perfect. Not one. Why, does that be perfect as he's perfect? What does that mean? That means that, that when I'm operating in this life, that I am to pursue God in such a way, I'm to pursue what he calls me to, that I am to live in such a way that it's distinctly different from others. And so when I'm pursuing him, and I'm bringing him closer, and he's bringing me closer, the truth is, is that I become more and more like him. Because he is perfect. He loves perfectly. And so when I'm in this and pursuing this, that I, Derek, could you, can I borrow you again? Okay, so, yeah, he's getting his exercise. So what this means is that when I, perfect as my heavenly father is, oh wait, that's a bad illustration. You like country music in Texas. Uh, we'll just pretend he's Jesus, okay? So as I pursue this, I become more and more and more and more like him. I'm bringing him closer and he's bringing me closer. And here's what's amazing is he transforms me to be more and more like him. That's what it's saying. See, during this time, we see all these Pharisees, and they were trying to look like him by conforming to all these rules and boundaries. And what Jesus is saying, it's not the rules and boundaries. I want your heart. And when I have your heart, Everything changes. What y'all are doing is giving me your head and you're looking the part. But I don't care about you looking the part. I want your heart and I will change you to make you look the part. Because he transforms us, not conforms us. So what we're looking at in this is not conformity, but transformity. I just made that up that I transform more and more like him. And here's what happens, that I conform more and more to his image because I'm more like God. I show him in a more amazing way when I love and I pray for my enemies and those that persecute me. Go ahead, have a seat. So, here's the question. When you look at how you love, do you love like God? When you look at how you pray for others, do you pray like God prayed? When you look at others, do you go, Lord, bless them. May they know you. May they encounter you. May they be transformed by you. 
Help me to love them in a way that you want me to. And as we pray that, you know what happens? The impossible happens. Because this is impossible. And God is a God of the miraculous. And so, in the impossible, he expects us to do the impossible. How is that possible? It's only through Christ who strengthens me. He makes it possible. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? I'm going to have the worship team come up. We're going to close. As your head is bowed and eyes, eyes are closed, or one eye, depends on which one. As your head is bowed and eyes closed, would you, would you just take a moment just to consider, is, do you love like God and do you pray like God for others? Now, I wonder if maybe God is, has prompted you or is prompting you, put somebody in your mind and somebody in your heart that you need to love and to pray for. Do you have that person? Well, let's start. Father God, many of us have somebody in mind that has harmed us, that we consider our enemy, Or has persecuted us in some way. Lord Jesus, bless them. Give them favor. Lord Jesus, May they look, may they encounter you in such a way that they too would hear your voice, that they too would see your face, they too would trust you. Lord Jesus, love seems like a, such a, a complicated word. I ask that you would give us your love. That you would help us to love others as you would have us love them. That we would pursue in such a way that they would come to know you and love you as well. That they would know of this unconditional love that you've been so gracious to give us. Lord Jesus, change our hearts. Change our minds. Transform us. 
In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.